Hey, good evening. Reverend John St. Germain again welcoming you to episode 113 of the Crystal Silence League Radio Hour. Tonight we're going to continue our discussion of astral powers. What are they and how to develop them? Come back in about a minute and we will dive right into that. Go get you a cold drink, warm drink, lukewarm drink, whatever drink you want. And your crystal ball if you have one. Come right back. See ya. I'm back anyway. I don't know about you. You might still be off somewhere making a drink or getting your crystals or not there at all. I never know. I'm broadcasting out there into the radio kingdom, assuming there are listeners. And at some point, there probably are. We archive these radio shows at crystalsilenceleague.org, and they exist forever. Long after I shuffle off this mortal coil, my recorded voice will be out there on the Internet forever, perhaps long after humanity has blown himself into charred cinders, an alien race will descend upon the planet and find the recorded remains of the Crystal Silence League Hour and listen to the shows and say, boy, those humans were a crazy lot, weren't they? to believe all this stuff about crystals and crystal balls. Or they may say they were an enlightened bunch, weren't they, to know all this technology about crystals and crystal balls. Why did they blow themselves up? Perhaps their power got too great. We're talking about astral powers, the astral senses, the astral body, and how to develop them. And I'll tell you, many people have the raw power, and think that's all they need to do. And many people would like to have the raw raw power and wish they did and how to develop them. And uh, many people don't have any of it, um, but um, don't care to either. So we divide the human race into many different categories when it comes to astral power. And we've been discussing it for a number of weeks now. I would like to tell you the Crystal Silence League, for those of you who don't know, was founded around 1917 by Claude Alexander Conlon, a magical adept who was very good at astral powers, very developed, and he had studied a lot of Eastern mysticism and wrote quite a bit about Eastern mysticism. And he was an associate of uh, George DeLawrence and an associate of um, uh, William Walker Atkinson, who was also a magical adept. And uh, many associates, many mystics of his time, uh, very mysterious people who practiced um, Eastern yogi and Tibetan yoga and all sorts of stuff um, at a time when not many people knew about it. Some people knew about it. Not many did. There was a Western fascination with matters of Eastern mysticism, but not many people knew about it. It wasn't something you heard about every day. 
like you do now. You know, gosh, now everybody goes to yoga classes and aligns their chakras and meditates. Uh, back in those days, not everybody did. It was denounced from the pulpit and uh, frowned upon by polite society. But many, many people did. Many people did. Uh, that fragment of society who were experience prone, those who had psychic experiences and wanted to know how to harness them and uh, channel them. So he founded the Crystal Silence League for the purpose of distributing and projecting prayer and positive affirmation for those who needed such things. And when he passed into the silence around 1954, it went with him and stayed into the silence until Missionary Independent Spiritual Church revived it around uh, 2009, I think. And uh, now it's on the internet at www.crystalsilenceleague.org. And you can find it there, and people go there and post prayers. And we get about 200 prayers a week, and I'm not exaggerating a bit. And you can go there and pray for people or be prayed for. You just post your prayer. Prayer is always free. And we do have a gift shop, which helps support our website. And you can make donations if you like. And on the gift shop, you can buy crystals, crystal balls, and literature. Some of that literature was written by our founder, Claude Alexander Conlon, and some of it was written by me, Crystal Magic, Divination, Healing, and um, Spellcraft with uh, crystals and gemstones. Uh, it's a nice little book. and has a lot of information. There's information in that book that can change your life, and I don't exaggerate when I say that. You can change your life with that book that I wrote. It took uh, Mr. Conlon's work and updated it to the 21st century. It techniques using crystals and crystal balls. And I promise you, if you get that book and apply the work that's in it to your life, it will change your life for the better. Not you won't go; your life will not go down the tubes. It will change your life for the better. Um, and so, what it's been my um, custom since we started the show to read aloud some of these prayers that we. Uh, uh, have posted that I could not possibly read all of these to you um, while I was ta- while I'm talking to you. You know, 50 more prayers were posted. I could never read them all, but I do like to read some of them. And I always keep the people anonymous because prayer is always uh, anonymous at Crystal Silence League. I see your names and I see your beautiful faces because people post photographs for us to concentrate on. Um, as we pastors pray for you. But no one else can see them unless they are members or pastors. So I'll just read them aloud with prayer ID, and I invite you to pray along with me for the following people. And we have prayer ID 64806, who says, Pray that the love of my life never loves any other woman besides me and keeps him emotionally faithful to me. Pray he never has interest in anyone else ever. May it be so. Amen. And pray right he's 64805, who says, God, I ask that you heal my brother's body, heart, and soul, and pray for peace. Amen. And we have prayer ID 64802, who says, Recently, my job is at risk, and although I know I have not helped the situation, I feel like I'm being attacked. I'm not afraid of a new job that's losing my role with nothing to support me. I practice Wicca and have started a side business, which I eventually wish to do full-time, but not a high earner right now. Blessed be. Amen. 
prayer ID 64801, who says, J.G. the third is the man that I love and the things he has done to me and said to me so very wrong. So on this day, I ask for a reversal so that he may feel the thorns of his own wrath that he has tortured me with. On this day, I ask that everything he does to hurt me will return to him, starting from the first day he hurt me until now and always. May he taste, feel, and be consumed by the hurtful things he does. Perhaps this will help stop his madness and cruelty. Amen. Someone praying for justice. Prayer ID 64799, who says, Please pray that A can see past his anger and resentment and realize that he loves me and wants to be with me again so that our baby can have a family. Please pray that he realizes his own shortcomings and how badly he has treated me. Please pray that he realizes he was wrong when he said I ruined his life as I have given him the gift of being alone to reflect on whether this is true as well as the everlasting gift of a beautiful son. Amen. And prayer ID 6 Four seven nine eight. Please pray that my depression will lift, my grief will subside, I will have fun with good people. Amen. Prayer ID six four seven nine five. I pray that my finances are secure, my savings increase, my bills are reduced, and that all my debt is eliminated. Amen. Prayer ID six four seven nine four. Who prays for the opportunity to reopen her business. She says, I was once blessed with the opportunity to have a wig shop in a flea market. It was closed after going through a divorce. I pray to get the finances and location to open my wig boutique. A dream I so desire to help not just fashion, but medical needed clients. Amen. And prayer ID 64792. Who prays, Heavenly Father, Please help relieve me of the debt I have with my current landlord. Help me to overcome the past due debt as well as be able to pay this coming month's rent. I would very much appreciate it if I am granted a release from my apartment by one full month as my lease is up in October anyhow. Please, Lord, please help me win my case in court and come out with a grant of release. Thank you. Amen. And prayer ID 64791. Who prays, I pray M is constantly filled with an intense desire need to be with me and takes, or, or need to be with B and takes him back now. I pray M constantly feels intensely that B always makes him feel completely loved, safe, significant, and special. I pray M is constantly filled with an intense feeling that B is his ideal husband and that life is much better with him. I pray M takes action now to make B his, and that Mitch and Brian are fully together as partners now. Amen. Prayer ID 64790. I pray that K and C, J will have the most awesome, successful, drama-free school year. May they excel in their schoolwork and soccer. I pray that the bonds they have with their current friends will deepen and that they will make true new friends. I pray that all the troublemakers, drama queens, and kings will go away quietly and leave them and their friends alone. Amen. Prayer ID 64788. My daughter cut me off from herself and my precious grandchildren three years ago. They are all my heart. I pray that 
my daughter remembers how much I love her and that the babies miss their grandma. I pray for reconciliation and reunion because my heart breaks every day. Amen. And prayer ID 64787. Please pray that our move to a new city goes well with minimal stress and no major problems. Please pray our new jobs start off and continue to go great. And we're happy with our choice to move. Thank you. And let's have another one. Prayer ID 64784. I pray that my broken heart is healed, that I find myself and am able to love myself once again. And I pray to find a man that loves me, flaws and all. Let's have a moment of prayer and meditation for all those in need of healing and comfort and support. Amen. Our crystal of the week is uh, apophyllite, and uh, I don't know if you've seen these. We have a picture of it in our slideshow. Uh, apophyllite naturally grows in pyramidal shapes. They're natural pyramids, and so they're much loved among crystal healers. They're white. They're transparent, but they're white and uh, uh they look kind of like crystal quartz except they're they're white they're cloudy and they when you think about where they resonate think about the bridge of the nose up uh the crown chakra and the third eye chakra so they work on the top of your head and it's a excellent crystal for helping with meditation and astral travel and clairvoyance and clairaudience, and it helps uh, with meditation, enlightenment, and with objectivity. 
it will um, help with uh, anything involving the top of your head. So in healing, it helps with the eyes, it helps with headaches, it helps with migraine, it helps with realizing the truth of situations, it helps with mindfulness, it helps with analytical thinking, and it helps with insight, with understanding yourself. And because it's a pyramid, uh, it's cut often with flat surfaces, and uh, you, can, you can set it on the top of your head or set it on your third eye as you lay down. And uh, um, it's uh, it's used uh, on every chakra. I've seen it set on every chakra uh, to help with uh, lung problems and spleen problems and allergies and um, all sorts of things. But it's it's primarily with the third eye and crown chakra from the bridge of the nose up. And it's a very powerful crystal because of its, uh, first of all, because of its crystalline structure and because of its uh, natural pyramid shape. Uh, it's one of the most powerful stimulants of the third eye. Uh, if you're experiencing third eye blockage, this is this is the one to go to. And it makes a very good elixir. It's a very uh, strong crystal. It won't dissolve on you. Um, it's a, um, um, a very powerful. It won't dissolve in water, so you can just drop it directly in your um, uh, in your water and leave it out in the sun. Leave it out in the um, 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 uh, sun or the um, uh, moon, and let them let it charge in your water and add a few drops of brandy to it. You can sprinkle it on your chakras. Use it in your magic, etc. Uh, now, apophyllite also comes in green and kind of a pinkish color. Um, uh, I, I've seen people use green apophyllite, but most people use the clear and um, you know the the whitish, clearish. Uh, there, there's some rose, rosy shades, and there's these uh, uh, kind of weird ones that are cloudy with black inclusions uh but uh you'll you'll see them in all all kinds of different colors but most people like the 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 white ones and um i i know they i just i was just thinking they do come in different shades and colors but uh, like greenish but i've never seen uh, people work with with a lot of them most people work with the uh uh the white ones um that's apophyllite very Handy little crystal to have. I've seen them on a lot of crystal grids, man. Every time people make powerful crystal grids, they'll, they'll stick apophyllite pyramids right in the middle of them and and make point make points of all sides. I worked at a psychic fair once, and a woman had a apophyllite crystal about as big as a basketball under her table, and uh, people would go over to her table and bask in it like it was a fireplace. You know, they'd you know, go mmm and <laughs> warm their hands and their and their feet and their head over it. They'd gravitate to it. It was a really good thing to have, I think. All right, we're talking about astral astral states and astral talents and astral um, astral stuff. And uh, what we've covered so far is that there are five astral senses, just like there are uh, five physical senses. These are... Um, uh, manifested by the astral body, just like the five physical senses are manifested by the physical body, and that the uh, astral plane is the plane just above the physical plane. We've also 
um, posited the idea that the astral plane is not the spiritual plane. These are different states of planes. Now, I'll tell you that in the uh, uh, in certain occult teachings, there are seven planes of existence, and the physical plane, the astral plane, and the spiritual plane are the first three. And they're even higher planes. I think spiritual plane might be three or four. Um, I have, I'll, I'll, we'll discuss that. That's the topic of another show. But the astral double, sometimes called the etheric double, is not composed of spirit or energy. It's composed of a very subtle matter, and it actually encases the spirit. And it can leave the body like you would pull the pith out of a reed, like the center out of a reed, and um, can walk about. And according to uh, spiritualists, it's attached to the physical body by a slender cord from the midsection. And this cord can stretch and stretch and stretch and stretch almost infinitely, and it gets thinner and thinner and thinner. And from people's descriptions, you can see such a thing. It's really something to see. The astral body looks silvery, and this cord is like a ribbon, a silver ribbon that attaches to the body. And should that cord be severed or cut or broken, you're in quite a... uh, fix if the astral body is far away can't find your way back and the physical body just remains comatose and withers and dies eventually so one of the ways that we were discussing of developing the astral powers was through concentration through focusing your attention intently upon an object it could be any object a pencil uh, a paper clip or a crystal and we're talking about psychometry. This is the idea of taking objects that belong to people and holding them. And you can hold them to your forehead or over your heart or just in your, between your hands and sensing the energy of the owner because objects that are in your possession over a period of time take on some of the astral or physical energy of the person. And these can be sensed. This is what you see psychics do on a detective shows when they're holding a object from the victim and they get a psychic impression from them. That's psychometry. Maybe they're holding a murder weapon and they get a vision of the killer or, you know, they hold a hair barrette that belongs to the kidnapped victim and they get an impression of the victim. And they say, Oh oh my goodness. Yes. She's, she's uh, in the trunk of a car. She's still alive, but not for long. She's next to a tree next to a stream and there are dogs barking. You know, that that's psychometry. That that's a, It's a form of clairvoyance, but specifically it's psychometry. It's probably the most well-known psychic um, phenomenon next to spirit mediumship to the public. Now, we're talking about crystals and crystal balls, and um, I'm going to tell you that uh, there are many, many things that fall under the umbrella of crystal balls. Some things are not even crystal balls. They're uh, scrying stones, palm stones. These are stones you hold in the palm of your hand. Uh, some crystal balls are actually metal balls, you know, gl- gazing globes. Some are magic mirrors. These are black mirrors that you can look into. Uh, psychomantiums, which are um, mirrors at the end of long boxes or hallways, or just a mirror that you look at in a dark room. Uh, you can take a, a mirror at an angle in a dark room with a very dim light source behind it, 
tilted at an angle upward so that it doesn't reflect you and gaze into it and you'll have visions. And I, I had many interesting experiences with this, including when I was a much younger person, uh, my grandmother walking out of one of those mirrors and about scaring me half to death the first time it happened to me. Um, so there's many ways that you can crystal gaze. And uh, so including a thing called the astral tube, which is where you use the crystal ball. And it, now, originally the astral tube was not using a crystal ball. This was uh, Mr. Conlon's idea, but the astral tube was an idea where you you could hold your hand up and look through your hand as though it were a, a, a telescope and create a tube between you and a person uh, to whom you're trying to communicate with or uh, an event. And you would penetrate time and space this way with your astral senses and attempt to uh, remote view, remotely view uh, a distant place. Mr. Collin got the idea of doing this with a crystal ball. You hold the ball up to your eye like it's a lens and look through the crystal ball to a person or place uh, that you wish to, to scry. Now, there's no special virtue or magical property in any crystal or any crystal ball. Uh, there are properties in crystals and crystal balls, but they're not magical. They're not uh, um, uh, supernatural or paranormal. Uh, a crystal ball it can be made of glass. Uh, it can be made out of quartz. It can be made out of anything. In fact, you know, quartz is glass. It's silica. It's silica. And there's not that much difference um, chemically between quartz and, and glass. So, um, you know, telescopes, microscopes, crystal balls, quartz balls, uh, they're optical instruments. And I have uh, achieved the same results with a glass ball as I have with a quartz ball that I paid much more for. And I have a really nice crystal ball that uh, been in my family for a long time. Very nice. And I was told by a dealer that it's, it's worth close to $2,000 um, because apparently it's a, uh, a type of crystal that was made in Czechoslovakia in the 1800s. And they're very rare. Uh, I had it on my table at a psychic fair back in the eighties. And, uh, after that, I just stopped caring. <laughs> I said, "Oh my God!" I started. You know, I kept it. I keep it at home now. It's on one of my altars. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, it it catches light in a way. Um, it's a, like a lead crystal or something, but um, and it's a beautiful thing. But I get the same results with a glass ball I bought at a magic shop. I think for twenty five dollars, I get the same results. So it, there's no magical qualities. Now you can prepare scrying tools magically using by so fumigating them with incense praying over them for specific purposes and we'll get into that at some other time um now various schools of uh crystal gazing and scrying do use different forms of crystal uh and different techniques for scrying and there are different ways to prepare yourself for scrying and to train yourself for scrying. Uh, and some traditions insist that you use certain materials uh, for traditions. Uh, but I'll tell you if, you, if you go get a ball of plain glass and practice, you'll, you'll do well. Uh, 
there are some uh, people that will use a watch crystal laid over a piece of black cloth. Uh, polished steel balls work very well. Um, and I want to tell you that uh, among my grandmother's possessions was a china cup like you get in a box. They used to put these in boxes of oatmeal, and it's just a cheap china cup, a coffee cup. And she had painted the interior of it black. I didn't know what that was for, and I didn't know what it was before. And uh, I, but I kept it because it belonged to my grandmother. And uh, one day I feel I just got a drink of water in it. And I looked down into it and I said, "Oh, I know what she did this for. She had made a scrying surface out of it by painting the interior of the cup black. It was a very deep." matte black. It was a matte black. It did not reflect light. And she had taken this cheap china cup that you got in oatmeal. And some of you might be old enough to remember that, that you used to get. Um, they'd put like a piece of <laughs> a cup or a saucer uh, or an orange juice glass in a box of oatmeal. She'd taken this cheap china, china cup and painted the interior black and she would fill it with water and gaze into it. And uh, that was just a relic of my grandmother I kept in my cupboard. Remember, by it became one of my most valuable scrying tools after that, and I still have it. You fill it with water, and you look into it. It's a china cup with the painted black. Now, yes, you can buy uh, expensive black ebony, onyx, carved obsidian scrying bowls, or you can do like my grandmother did back in the twenties or whenever she did this um, and get a cheap China cup and spray paint the interior black. I don't even know what she painted it with. It, you know, it's, it's scratched up and gummy and stuff. And I, I touched it up, but uh, it, boy, it sure did do the, do the trick. She painted it very thick too. It's very thick gummy. Maybe it, it was tar. I don't even know, but it was, it did the trick. So there you have um, uh, the interior of a, coffee cup painted black um, you just pour water in it uh, or maybe coffee the way my grandmother the way my family made coffee you can gaze into there into that coffee and see see into the gates of hell probably my, my, my family brewed some strong ass coffee I'll tell you that you look into that cup of coffee it's like the abyss it looks back at you I just made that up that's fun I'm gonna write that down so uh, so Anyway, there's uh, legends about the manufacture of scrying mirrors and crystal balls, about dark ceremonies involving blood and demons and chanting and stuff. It's not necessary. Not necessary. Um, um, you can use precious stones. The way the light glints off of precious stones can trigger clairvoyance. Um, so when we say crystal, a gazing crystal, we, we're talking about a wide variety of, uh, of objects. You, you pick what works for you. I think if you try to do too many things, you're going to spread yourself very thin. So what are the practical applications of it? Um, um, I want to tell you something that through many years study and studying the experts in crystal gazing, I have seen more people do this incorrectly. You put the light source behind you, not in front of you, when you're doing crystal gazing. 
people will put the candle in front of them, then put the crystal in front of the candle and gaze into the crystal. This is a really good way to get eye fatigue. You put the light at your back and the crystal in front of you when you do crystal gazing. And this is a universal point. If you look in the old literature of crystal gazing, the back of the gazer is to the light. You put the sun behind you. You put the moon behind you. You put the candle behind you. You put the light bulb behind you. You don't face the light because the crystal ball is basically a burning lens. And if you look at the light through the crystal ball, even obliquely, it's like looking at the fucking eclipse. So, and, you know, I don't cuss often, but man, use your common sense. But the, um, you don't stare into a candle, you know, either. You, you, you should practice by yourself in a quiet room. You light a candle or turn on a dim light. And this is another thing. The light should be dim and it should be at your back and maybe, and you know, over your head. Um, and the crystal should be placed before you on a table. Uh, the table should be covered with a dark material. And then you gaze very calmly at the crystal and don't strain your eyes. Uh, I, I read some nonsense back in the eighties that you should, you should not blink. So don't blink. And, uh, and I remember uh, I tried that. I said, well, I, maybe I'm doing it wrong. And I stared at it. My eyes were tears running down my eyes. I said, well, this is stupid. This is absurd. What happens is your eyes get really tired, and then you start to uh, see spots and stars, and you think you're you're seeing shadows and stuff. Uh, don't be don't be afraid to blink. Go ahead and blink. You don't want to strain your eyes. Uh, in fact, uh, eye strain is your your worst enemy. If you're trying to develop scrying, you don't want to do that. You don't want eye strain. You want to be relaxed, uh, calm. You don't want to try to force anything. Uh, you don't want to strain. You don't want to be going, uh, 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 come on, come on, visions. Uh. You just want to be relaxed and have a air of joyful anticipation. And your attitude is like, I'll just sit here as long as it takes. And if nothing happens, you know, cover your crystal with the cloth and come back again tomorrow. Um, don't be afraid of failure. And some people um, will uh, uh, make tubes of their hands and gaze through it to sh uh, put their uh, hands over the side of their faces like, like blinders, like a horse will do. Uh, and that's a good one because it shuts out, uh, you know, if you get light from the side of your face, it can uh, fatigue your eyes and you'll get uh, like glints of light. Um, and it can also, you see things from the corner of your eye and it will, it will distract your mind. So you can hold your hands up over the sides of your face um, so that your vision is forced to be focused right in front of you but you don't be discouraged you, you come back and don't if you start getting frustrated or uh, angry or tired or bored if your mind starts to wonder you stop and you come back so you do it again and again it takes time it, it's like learning to read you know how long did it take you to learn to read probably about two years it probably took you about two years before you could really read and you know unless you're some prodigy you know, you started recognizing shapes, letters, words, and then groups of words. I don't mean just reading 
okay, that, that means apple, that means dog. I mean, before you could scoop down a page and, and holistically read concepts. Uh, well, actually, some adults can't do that now. You know, good God, look on the Internet and see people trying to formulate sentences and thoughts. But, uh, you know, when you could just go down a book and read, that, that takes a couple years of practice. How long did it take you before you could uh, form, formulate ideas and sentences? It takes a lot. Walk. How long did it take you to walk? Most people start walking by the time they're 18 months, you know, two years. It takes, it takes time. You know, give yourself time. So what you should uh, try to do if you don't get immediate results is to um, put objects in the crystal. And by that I mean concentrate on something. You know, let's say it's a flower and try to visualize it inside the crystal. You put it in there. The face of a loved one, uh, a parent, a lover, a child. Put it in the crystal. Visualize it until you see it in there so that you know what is supposed to happen. Um, that will gradually train your mind into seeing things in the crystal. And uh, what what will happen at first usually is that you will start to see a cloudy vision in the crystal at first, and then it will start to coalesce into a shape of something. And then over time, that cloudiness uh becomes clearer and clearer until it begins to appear to be something. Uh, it, it's almost like seeing uh, shapes in a cloud in the sky. You go, oh, that kind of looks like a dog. You know, that looks like a dragon. You know, that kind of looks like the singer Adele on a bad day. And then all of a sudden it just pops into focus. and You go, oh, oh, that is a dog. You know, oh, that is Adele. And, uh, uh, you know, that's... Uh, that's Prince Harry, uh, you know. That that that's a dragon. That's a dragon wearing a top hat. You, know, you start seeing these things for real, and and if you practice enough, you will. That's that's kind of a scary thing. If you practice enough, you will. I, I've I've trained people in this, and you know they're just sitting there. I can see in their face they're like going, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, yeah. There, there's kind of a kind of a light in there you know it looks like a blob of but holy christ it's my aunt matilda you know and uh i i see her plain as day you know and you know it's and they're they're shocked and appalled and delighted at the same time you know they think maybe they're losing their mind and and i say now now keep your eye on on her and see you know is she changing yeah now she's changing into uh you know it looks like a well, it looks like the three little pigs. No, wait a minute. It's not the three little pigs. It's there's like a rose, and next to the rose is a key, and then there's a book, and and now they're they're kind of merging together, and uh, you know, and and so th- this little story plays out, and you can just see that it, it's an amazing thing when someone actually breaks through and it starts to happen, and um, you know, and then and they, you know, once it happens. It's like riding a bicycle. You know, once you once you see it, you want to unsee it. You know, you want to unlearn it. Um, although some people get kind of shocked. You know, they go ah. You know, and then and then they, and then because of the shock of it, they uh, they back away from it. and They have to go back into it. Um, um, so this is uh, some of the psychomantic uh, training, uh, just using a crystal ball. Now, um, so. Some of the 
manifestations of this, you may not you may not be a crystal gazer by nature, but you can develop a rudimentary technique of it, and it's good training for everything else. You know, maybe uh, you hear voices. You know, maybe you're a spirit medium, and still, this is good training. And uh, so, um, maybe you sense things, and um, you know, maybe your training is uh, simple, simple uh, psychomantic sensing of things. Uh, sensing uh, emotional sen- emotional uh, states of people. Uh, maybe you can sense uh, vibrations, uh, the auric emanations of people and things. Uh, maybe you don't sense actual occurrences, but uh, maybe you sense. Uh, things about people. Uh, maybe you can sense uh, distant scenes or persons or objects, remote viewing. Uh, uh, maybe you can see things that happened in the past. Time projected uh, psychomancy or empathy or uh, things. Um, maybe you can sense things that are likely to happen in the current timeline, and I'll tell you that timelines can branch and change uh, because the future's fan-shaped. It's shaped like a fan based on where you are now. There, There's like this uh, uh, fan that goes out from where you are now depending on many factors that can change. The future's not written in stone. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, though, this, and this is a teaching in Buddhism that I found to be true, and that is that there is a mixture. People say, is there free will or is there predestination? And Buddha said there are so many factors that go into a single glint in the single eye of a single peacock's feather that only an omniscient being can tell the difference between free will and predestination. So some of the teachings in Buddhism say that there is both free will and predestination that operate at the same time. And this is a very deep statement. Because there are some things that are predestined. There are some things that, by God, are going to happen. But there's also a lot of free will. And and can you tell, you know, as a psychic reader, what's going to happen and what's not? Um, I find that the better you get, you can tell probabilities. You can say, this is probably going to happen if you keep doing what you're doing now. But the thing about spiritual ceremonies, root work, voodoo, santeria, you're trying to change the future, aren't you? You know, you say, okay, this guy ain't coming back. This girl ain't coming back. We're going to petition the spirits to try to change that, you know, to increase the chances of this working out the way you want it. You go into a casino, the odds are stacked against you. The house does not want you to win. You know, house odds are about 100 to 1 against you. You go in with a mojo bag, you're trying to change the future. You know, you go in there, you're going to lose. The odds are you're going to lose. You go in with a mojo bag. You're trying to change the odds. You're trying to change the future. So what you're trying to do with magical ceremonies and spiritual ceremonies and with psychomancy is to go in a different timeline where predestination is supplanted by free will. But, you know, there are some things you can't change. 
they're predestined. And there are people who tell me, I don't believe in predestination. I believe you make your own future. Well, you know, good luck to you, man. Tell me, tell me this. When you're laying on your deathbed and it's time for you to die, change that with free will. You know, when, when it's your time, when it's time for you to die, you're in an airplane that's heading to the ground at 150,000 miles an hour. You free will yourself out of that one. Well, good luck with that. Some things are meant to be. When, when it's time for that aneurysm in your brain to explode, free will yourself out of that one. You just go right ahead. So we, we do have free will. We do have predestination operating at the same time. So as psychic readers, we have a uh, – sometimes people expect too much from us. You know, Can you tell me if he's going to come back? Can you tell me if she's – if she's going to quit cheating on me, can you tell me this? You know, can you get inside someone's head that well? Well, sometimes. Sometimes. Um, so we're looking at the skill called simple psychomancy, psychomancy where, uh, which is actually a lot more common than people know. Um, I'll tell you, married couples who are successfully married practice this all the time. You complete each other's sentences. You know what the other one's up to. You know the emotional state of the other one. You know, uh, and I, and I'll tell you, this is what I decided. If I was going to get married again, this is what I was going to have. We wouldn't even have to talk. We just look up and go, "Yeah, Mexican tonight." We would be on the same page with that. And I found that. You know, I, I found that. This is. I said, "I'm not. I'll, I'll be alone the rest of my life unless I find that. You know, that type of companionship where we have that type of psychomantic." relationship where we we can connect on that where you know we we dream the same dreams sometimes and um you got to be on that if you have a relationship like that man you gotta you gotta hold on to it so there are higher levels of uh uh, psychic phenomena too and uh, and i'll tell you that there's ordinary telepathy that a lot that a lot of people practice and then there's very high levels of uh of uh psychomantic phenomena uh, and because um, um, telepathy is uh, is a passage of uh, thought waves from one brain to another and that happens all the time that happens a lot and we, we may not know it we may not recognize it but it does it happens a lot it happens to people who don't even believe in, in telepathy they call it coincidence um, and uh, the brain of a transmitter sends forth these vibrations, and the brain of the receiver picks them up. It's very simple. It's, you know, and in spite of what the goddamn skeptics say, it's been demonstrated in laboratories. They say there's no scientific evidence of ESP. Yes, there is. There's an entire body of evidence of it. Going back to Joseph Ryan at Duke University, there's an entire scientific body of evidence of it. I, I'm tired of hearing that there's no scientific evidence of it. Yes, there is, dumbass. There's a whole damn scientific body of evidence of telepathy existing. It's there. It's as, it's, as, it's as firmly established as gravity. I don't want to hear that anymore. Shut up. I'm tired of hearing it. And James Randi has proven nothing with a million-dollar challenge. You, you want to shut someone up with that? They say, James Randi's got a million dollars. Okay. If somebody won that million-dollar challenge, is that scientific proof that psychic powers exist? Is it? Would all of a sudden every scientist in the world say, okay, that proves it? No. No, they wouldn't. They would think one of you. They would think one of two things. Okay, Randy's slipping, or Randy's splitting that million dollars with that guy. It, it's not scientific proof if he gives some guy a million dollars. 
he's not a scientist. For one thing, he never graduated from high school. He's he's a magician, not even a good magician. Did you ever see him do a trick? He, he's terrible at it. it. It's a publicity stunt. It's not scientific proof of psychic phenomena because he's got a million-dollar prize. He picks and chooses crazy people. He's never tested a real psychic. Never. He won't. He won't. I have friends who are real psychics who tried. He, he looks at him and goes, no, I can't. I can't test this person. He refused. He, he refused it. First of all, he won't test palm readers. He won't test tarot card readers, test spirit mediums, unless they're like Sylvia Brown and they're utter fakes. He, he won't. You know, Sylvia Brown tried to be tested. He wouldn't test her. And uh, Rosemary Althea, he wouldn't test Rosemary Althea. She, she was on the Larry King show. I went off on a rant, didn't I? She was on the Larry King show, and she said, well, what do I need to do to be tested? And he goes, well, you got to get in touch with my accountant or somebody. He goes, well, how do I do that? He, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't test her because she nailed him on the Larry King show. But anyway, um, there we go. There's one of my pet rants. Uh, so anyway, te- uh, telepathy um, is not psychomancy. Telepathy does not exist. Telepathy is not one of the astral senses. I'm going to tell you that many people who claim to be spirit mediums are actually using telepathy. They're reading the mind of the of the person. They don't tell you anything that the person doesn't already know. And uh, they go, oh, I'm a spirit medium. I'm telling you all about your grandmother. And they, Well, tell me something my grandmother knows that I don't know. Now, I'll tell you, John Edward has done that. John Edward just told people things. That they go, uh, no, I don't know. Then they go home and find out. Yeah, Grandma was a uh, did work for the Secret Service during the war. So um, I believe that at least some of the time, John Edward is speaking to spirits or getting the information somehow uh, that they don't know about. And uh, I know Rosemary Altia does that. Rosemary Altia told people stuff, and they were like, "No, you're wrong. That's not true." And then they go home and they dig up in the family history and. Uh, Great Aunt Sally goes, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he uh, he, he stayed on that island, at, uh, tor- that island Tornado during the war. And they go, well, that's what she said. I didn't know that. She goes, yeah, he didn't like to talk about it, but he did, yeah. He was a prisoner of war in Tornado during the war. So when you get information from the spirits that you don't know, then there's something there. That's spirit mediumship. But telepathy, I know there's a lot of people who think they're spirit mediums, and they believe they are. But they're really practicing telepathy, and telepathy is not one of the astral senses. We have to distinguish between that. Telepathy is communication between one brain and another. Now, telepathy is part of a very high grade of psychic phenomena, but it's not one of the astral senses. We've got to distinguish that. Telepathy is a phenomena of the physical body, not the astral body. Do do you see? Telepathy is the sending and receiving of thought vibrations through the physical organs, not the astral organs. Now, psychomancy, um, you, can, you can receive thought vibrations uh, emanating from the mind, but it's through the astral channel, not the physical channel. You see? The astral senses are far more keen, far more acute, and far more sensitive than the physical senses and can register these vibrations on a higher level than the physical. And uh, so the person who develops the astral senses, even partially, will receive impressions of a much higher order than the most acute mind reader ever will. 
someone who develops the astral senses will be will be much better at thought transference than the most skilled practitioner of telepathy because telepathy is limited by the physical organ astral senses really have no limit uh, so the astral mind reader let's say will notice things that the physical mind reader will miss um, so the astral mind reader can actually read thoughts that have not yet been fully formed in the mind of the thinker. Now think about that. They can read thoughts that have yet to be thought. Cool, huh? You can read the mind, you can read thoughts that the thinker has yet to think. You read their mind before they think it. Let's stop for station identification while you digest that. is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Contraman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, Kendallo's Corner with Kendallo Canvisa, Michael Carell, and Lady A, Mondays 5 to 7, The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7, Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Danya, Wednesdays 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All Times Pacific, Add 3 Hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Now, I don't want to disparage telepathy because uh, telepathy can often lead to the development of uh, astral senses. Um, So the development of telepathic powers very frequently leads to the development of psychomantic powers. Um, And in fact, it's one of the easiest paths to psychomantic powers. It's like in uh, the development of meditative absorption often leads to uh, what are called sithies, which are psychomantic abilities, the ability to uh, astrally travel, uh, to read the minds of other people. Um, uh, oh, there's a whole bunch of them. But um, the thing is, when you're developing it in meditation, your teacher will smack you on the head and say, don't get distracted. You know, you say, I was meditating, and um, I went out of my body and went over to a friend's house and came back, and the teacher will say, don't. Don't do it because it's a distraction to what, what you're really trying to do, which is, you know, head for enlightenment. And, um, you know, monk, monks do this kind of thing all the time. And um, I'm I'm well aware of it. I'm aware of this sort of thing. Monks levitate and do all kinds of things, but they don't um, go around doing it. Uh, in fact, they learn not to do it while they meditate because it's a distraction for themselves and for other monks. Um, and um, uh, in fact, there, there's kind of a story, one of, uh, I think, Ajahn Chah, some of his students, um, one of his students is talking about this, and uh, Ajahn Chah, uh, they were meditating, and he 
levitated a few inches off the ground, and then he went to each one of his monks in the circle and had each one of them levitating. And the monk that was telling his story uh, was that Ajahn Bravamo, Ajahn Bravamo, anyway, he said, he said, and I was determined that when he got to me, I wasn't going to get off the ground. And so he applied all of his concentration to stay on the ground. And Ajahn Chah looked at him and goes, ah, stubborn. And among Buddhists, that's a very funny story, by the way. But um, I guess you had to be there. Um, so we've only got about two minutes left. And um, we've made our way up to the idea that there's a difference between physical psychic phenomena and astral psychic phenomena and i want you to chew on that for a little bit um and this is this is what separates the the rubber from the road now this is why some psychic readers of your experience may be better than others because many of them are using physical psychic skills and some of them like the upper five percent might be using astral psychic skills so yeah, there you go. Um, and we're going to talk about we're going to start talking about the aura, for instance. And most of you, I'm sure all of you, are aware that all all persons and all objects, as well that we know through Curlian um, photography, are surrounded by an, an emanation called an aura, which is um, contrary to some drawings you may see, an egg shaped emanation that extends several feet around you. It was said that Buddha's aura surrounded an entire village, by the way. This aura is charged with thought vibrations or psychic vibrations of the person. It's the atmosphere or feeling that we that we actually sense around people and which is why we're attracted to some people and repelled by others. And uh, the the trained individual can see the aura and usually assigns color to it, although some people will actually assign smell or taste to an aura. Um, and there's a general uh, uh, spectrum assigned to, to color, you know, like red means this, green means that. But what I found is that most people, uh, it's not really that the aura has these colors, but your brain tends to assign the colors to make sense of the emanation. And we'll go into this next week. Uh, in the streets of Beverly Smith is on hiatus tonight while she's attending Burning Man. So we won't have that show tonight, but I hope we have it next week. And we'll talk to you next week, by the way, uh, as we continue our discussion of the psychomantic senses, the astral powers. We'll talk to you next week. Love you guys. We'll go out with a little music and uh, talk to you next week. This has been John St. Germain. Talk to you soon. <laughs>